Sunday morning for a variety of reasons. Let me give you a little bit of the background. Many of you know this, but some of you do not, that for the last four months we have been following a lectionary series that takes us through the different genres where the lectionary leads us throughout Scripture. So we started out in the Gospels during the first month of uh, this series of this year. We then went into an Old Testament reading, the Psalm reading, and now we are in the second Gospel reading, which has had us both in Philippians, last week in Acts, and now to conclude this entire four-month series in Revelation. And this is a letter for all practical purposes, a letter that is written by John of Patmos, written to the seven churches that were under his direction. He shepherded the seven churches in the province of Asia, Ephesus, Laodicea, Smyrna, Sardis, Philadelphia and Pergamum, Thyatira. These churches were the recipients of this wonderful letter that calls them all to a posture of community and fellowship and understanding of God and our expression of God in our midst. And so when I read this, it makes me think, what if we were included that one who oversaw us writes a letter to our church San Diego First Church of the Nazarene, to write about who we are, how we conduct ourselves, and maybe the things we ought to be paying attention to. In the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, we have each of the uh, seven churches addressed individually. Well, Melissa and I are this morning here with the privilege of conveying where we've been and where we see ourselves heading. These are not just our ideas. These are the ideas that have arisen out of the things that you've told us, the church surveys that we've done, the leaders that you've elected onto the board that have helped guide our strategic planning. These are the things that have arisen out of the energy and ministries that have been laid on your heart by God's Spirit working in your life. And so, this morning, we have a chance to talk about what God has done in our midst. And what a privilege it is. All of this falls under the umbrella of our mission, which is to lift up Christ. We do this through preaching, teaching, and healing. Preaching the way in which we live our lives. Teaching, another word for discipleship. And healing, a desire that each one of us be prepared to be healing agents wherever God might place us. Our vision is that we might be a church where we are formed by scripture, that we are molded by prayer, and that we are motivated by love in all we do. So there you go, that's who we are. Now how does that play itself out? Well, that's the subject of this morning. And so, let's jump into who we are and where we see ourselves going in the years ahead. I'm eager to jump into that. I'm feeling like we have just a few technical issues. So Delaney, can you hear us? You can. Okay, go ahead and click forward to the mission statement page. Keep going. Go ahead and hit clear, and then hit that slide again. Go ahead and hit the mission. There we go, great job. Hudson, that crackling, do one of us need to take this? 
Okay, we're good. All right, just wanted to make sure we're all set. All right. We don't want any distractions for this report, right? Okay, now I'm ready to jump. Let's you ready start to jump over in? With the scripture reading. Okay. Okay. So go ahead and click to the next slide, Delaney. Um, we just want to thank you so much as just two members of your staff. Uh, we get to serve here with such great joy. It is such an honor to walk through the ups and the downs and the everything in between of your lives and what you invite us into. This church thing is a pretty unique gathering and it's a body of people. We call ourselves a family. We take care of each other. It's not necessarily a family that you even choose, but you look around and you say, I'm here because you're here. We're going to take care of each other. And we end up choosing each other over and over again. And we are witness to the great love that you have for each other, the great love that you have for the world, whether that is down the street or around the globe. And we're going to talk about your love for people down the street and all the way around the globe and your love for God. And that you don't see those things as distinct but intertwined. And so it's our privilege today to get to walk you through who you are. We're basically holding up a mirror and we're reflecting to you what we've been through this last year, where we're headed this next year, but it's really deeply in the character of who each of us are and who we are collectively. So thank you. For those of you who might be guests this morning, a rather unusual Sunday to come but I would also propose to you one of the best Sundays to come. You want to know the character of a church if you want to know how we try to live out our faith in Christ. This is a Sunday where we talk very specifically about those things. And so welcome. I hope this is insightful to you as well. Absolutely. Well, we, you know, we understand that while this is technically the end of the church year, that really there's no like sharp end to a church year and the next day it starts all over like you hit restart and everything. No, no, no. It's very fluid. And so as we move into this report, we wanted to set it up by talking about a partnership that we are excited about for the coming year. We thought we would sort of kick off telling you about that today by inviting Chris Nathus. So Pastor Chris, if you would come on up here, please. Let's welcome Chris to join us this morning. Hi, Chris. Chris is the lead pastor at Living Water Church of the Nazarene. And we've been in conversation for a bit now about how our churches can link up. And I wanted you to hear from Chris, because you could hear from me or Dee, but I think it's better to hear from the source, a little bit about what your church is like and what you're up to. So Chris, talk to us a bit about your church community. What does it feel like? Where is it? Kind of your population, the ministries, just kind of a brief overview of your church. Yeah, we're just a, a little bit different than this church, I'd say. <laughs> um, we're a relatively new church plan. We're about just over three years old now. Actually, in April, two years ago, we planted this church. Uh, we're located in East Village, which is, uh, we're, we're a few blocks from Petco Park. So that's where we're um, and uh, our church is a group of people who are trying to become disciples of And quite a few children, too, more than you more than you anticipated when you started the church, right? Yeah.
something that uh, is, people get lumped into one category, but it, it means people are struggling with uh, one or usually multiple uh, untractable you know, issues, very deep-seated issues, whether it's uh, substance abuse or mental health or things that you think of automatically when you think of homelessness or uh, whether it's loss of job or medical bills or um, people who are fleeing violence, domestic violence. All there's all kinds right. of things that people are struggling with. Right. And we see all of this in our congregation. And so we're trying to love each other well and figure out how to do community together with a lot of people that are coming from that situation and with some people who aren't. And we're trying to be a, sort of a mixed group right now. That's awesome. And talk to us. You, you were involved at the Southeast Church of the Nazarene before. Um, what led you to plant this church in East Village in downtown? Yeah, so we're a church plant originally from Southeast Church of the Nazarene, which is our mother church. I was an associate pastor there for about five years. And I uh, began to think about, you know, what, what the next calling was for us and for the church. And we had been involved in some homeless outreach ministries in East Village for a long time. Uh, Nazarene had been working on that for almost 20 years. I had been there for only five. But between point homeless students uh, coming down almost That's every true. night of the week, uh, serving meals to people and, you know, going through with coffee and sandwiches, and a, a ministry we had out of the Salvation Army there on Tuesday nights where we served about 100, 125 people every Tuesday night uh, from the Mid-City Church of the Nazarene with some help from Mission and some help from Southeast. Uh, we had, like, deep roots in this community, especially in the, the lower-income side of the community, mm -hmm. both people on the streets and in the – there's a, actually a lot of low-income housing right next to the luxury apartments that are down there. Yeah. And so out of this ministry, we uh, thought, well, it's time to stop doing this we serve you thing, and it's time to start – learning how to be brothers and sisters together. Yeah. And that's really what we've been able to do. Um, mm -hmm. And that dynamic is important. There's all kinds of service organizations in each village. We've been very clear, uh, to very, very uh, careful not to identify ourselves as a service organization. In fact, for the first year, we very intentionally didn't do feedings and didn't do those kinds of mm -hmm. services because we, uh, we want to have a different relationship down mm -hmm. there. And mm -hmm. we really have created what, what essentially is a sanctuary space where people come and they really have ownership of this thing that we're doing, they have ownership of the community, um, it's their church, and yeah. uh, they belong there, they do the work to keep us there, and, um, and I say they, I mean we, I'm part <laughs> of that, and, um, and it's a space where they feel like they can, everybody kind of comes and contributes and shares their gifts, and that's often not often the people who aren't seen to have any gifts by the rest of the world, but they do. And I can attest to that, the multiple times I've been there, it's a cool space, it's beautiful, I felt so welcomed, and people really do you can tell they're at home there. It's their yeah. home. Um, so one of the ways that we could support you is by coming to one of your worship services. Those are Sunday night at what time? 5 p.m. Yeah. 5 p.m. So look up Living Water Church of the Nazarene in your GPS, 5 p.m. on Sunday nights. Talk to us just uh, about a couple ways that we, that you've invited us to partner with you in this uh, coming year and beyond. Yeah, so one, one <coughs> of the things that's really hard for us, we have a lot of people who are willing to work and who have just huge hearts, um, but many of them are dealing with pretty significant issues. And so we have a, a limited group of people who can do some of the things that are harder to, you know, qualify to do. For example, child care. You yeah. know, it's hard to find people in our congregation that are stable enough, that don't have, you know, that have a clean enough record and that aren't struggling with, you know, substance abuse um, in order to take a leadership role in child care stuff. And so things like that are, are harder for us to find volunteers for than, than in, in maybe in a typical church. And so uh, one of the ways we've talked about partnering is um, that we're trying to bring some staff on, potentially bring either an associate pastor or a children's pastor on. Yeah. Um, but we're a low-budget church, low-resource church, and so First Church, we've been talking about potentially helping with that. Um, another way you can get involved is that we've started what we call the Paraclete program, 
which is a program uh, that we've designed to come around people who are searching for housing. And so what we do is we put a team of people around someone who maybe just needs a little help getting into housing. And navigating all those systems, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's hard. I mean, the systems are complicated. Even right. for people who, you know, have a pretty good education, it's hard to figure out what to do and where to go. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we've seen poverty is more than just a money thing. It's a network thing. It's a social yeah. thing. And so what we're trying to do is, be, is build a group of friends around somebody that can help them network, that, you know, just getting a ride somewhere is hugely helpful. Or having someone show up to an appointment with you so that you get treated well because it's someone who they sort of have to respect is there with you. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're putting teams together that are doing this. And so if you're interested in getting involved in that program uh, real easy, you can just contact us and we'll plug you in to that. Yeah. And there's lots of ways. So those are yeah. And we'll be promoting those ways, and whether that's giving financially, giving of your time or resources, we'll be making those things available to you. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming and being with us this morning. Can you thank Chris? Yeah. So like I said, the church year just keeps on rolling, and so it's wonderful to talk about something that is coming ahead for us. We're going to now take you back. This was the last page of the annual report last year. These are the things we said that we hoped to pay attention to and prioritize in the coming year. So we just kind of want to sort of give you an update quickly on each of those, where we're at with them. Dee, you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, so one of the <coughs> things that we hoped to do in this year was to even dig deeper into our scriptural emphasis, but find ways by which our scriptural studies would connect to some of the very important contemporary conversations that affect all of us. And so in addition to our regular rhythm of messages, um, about this time last year, as we entered into the month of May, we stepped into many contemporary issues to talk about them from a scriptural context and who we are in the midst of the culture in which we live. So we attempt to accomplish this challenge that uh, was given to our congregation um, as we were looking forward a year a year ago. <laughs> We also talked about the renovation of this facility. We built this facility close to 40 years ago, um, hoping that it would not only serve our needs, but also help with the campus needs for chapel and for the special events that our neighbor PLNU has. But it needed a lot of work, and so, again, in partnership with the school, all of the chairs were replaced, new carpeting on the floor, painting throughout. We've got a little bit more work to do with the tile entryways and the bathrooms before it's completed, but about uh, probably 80% of what we hope to get done has been accomplished, so we've been moving ahead in that area. I just saw someone go, yes, new bathrooms. Yeah, Yeah, okay. It's coming. Some of you think we should have started with that, which I understand. The last um, piece that I want to mention in regard to this first half of these items is the reducing of our facilities debt. Um, We don't like to be under the debt load we have, but in building the new buildings, we committed ourselves to a significant amount of debt. Um, When I came here, we were somewhere in the neighborhood of $3.2 million in debt. It's a lot to carry as a congregation our size, but since that time, we have reduced the debt right at a million dollars worth which is really amazing. And in that time, this seems like an appropriate moment simply to mention that there are so many people who have contributed to that. Your faithful giving has allowed us to do that. But there are others who have, by their stewardship of their talents, helped us as well. And so I just want to 
call out one individual who over the course of the last 20 years, and probably much more than that, but this is all I know of, has been either a member of the board or our church treasurer for that period of time. And the reason I'm mentioning him, he and his wife have served not only in the, these capacities, but for all intents and purposes, have been pastors on staff. The visitations that they've made in hospitals and in homes helped to oversee some of the work of one of the, the Sunday school classes. And this year, well, actually it was probably a couple years ago, <laughs> Gene Shea um, submitted his um, resignation, retirement from church treasurer, and I just kept not accepting it for about two years. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where I can no longer in good conscience ignore what he keeps telling me. <laughs> And so as of the end of this month, as of this Sunday, Gene Shea last date as servant as our church treasurer, and he's done a marvelous job. Incredible. Thanks to Gene and to Barbara for the Gene? work they've done. Is Gene in here? He probably, I think he's counting. He, yeah. he probably won't stand if we make him stand, but I don't see him. Oh, way in the back. Oh, there, there he is. is. Thank we you, love you, Gene, so Thank much. You very so much. much. Um, also, last year we wanted to increase our welcome and accessibility through several things listed here. We'll be working on signage and we'll be working on new brochures and updating those in the year to come. But we have fulfilled the last two there. We have a new database. It's called Shelby. It's a much more rigorous and robust system for us to keep track of all of your information. And it's been incredibly helpful. We were a bit in the dark ages with our last one. And then also getting that to sync with web platforms and be a little bit more smooth in our ability to communicate with you and also um, have an online presence has been really good. Um, also last year, we wanted to expand in our senior adult ministry. This is something that the board had tasked us with and that we were feeling like was a bit of a hole in our church-focused programming. And so we're excited to say that we started Seniors by the Sea with the great help of Eleanor Snyder this last year and joined with the Peninsula Shepherd Center, which is just down the road. It's a consortium of churches and creating a network of opportunities for seniors among the church community, but really here on the point, um, for people within churches and beyond, certainly. Uh, but joining in with them has been such a joy. And then last, to continue our hallmark traditions of specific ministry for children, youth, and young adults, which we have been doing through this last year and giving attention to, as uh, we have really since, since day one. Now, if you would like a comprehensive list of all of the things that have taken place this last year, you can go to the website and download this report, okay? So usually, or in the last couple years, we've gone through this line by line. We're gonna do the report in a bit of a different format today, but if you'd like to see everything that's been um, worked on this last year, priorities, things that are new in our church life, you can download that right from the home page. It looks like this. Delaney, just walk us through really quick. So you can go to the next one. So this would be an example of one of our pages of look, looking at our ministry around the world. Um, so we'll have a list here of things under the World Evangelism Fund or Compassionate Ministries. Next slide. Another example, lifting up Christ in our community, seeing specifically the things that we do to target children and youth young adults, and then you'll see here that there's some things in red or pink, and those are the things that are new into our church life this last year. So we took in an intern for 1722, which has been a game changer for that program for our college group, but then the whole senior adult section is new. So you can walk through that if that's something you choose to do. I, now I would encourage you to do that. It's easy to access it, and the reason that I find it valuable is that 
the things that are highlighted in pink, the new items, speak about the trajectory of our values. Yeah. It shows what we're leaning into, what we're trying to step into, the partnerships we're trying to create, the way in which we're trying to involve ourselves in the community and in the areas that have uh, been areas of interest of you. That the way that God has moved among us are the areas where we find a lot of the listings of yeah. things that have taken place that have not happened in previous years or not in recent years yeah. will appear again up there. Um, Melissa said that instead of going through that line by a line, we're taking a slightly different approach for the next few minutes. And that is to look at a, the life of the church through a very particular lens. We have over and over again talked about a particular way by which to look at the spiritual life. That there are three really essential components to the spiritual journey. One of those is very simply our one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. The, the way in which we interact with God, uh, the quiet time that we spend, that foundational piece of our spiritual journey. But equally important and equally as foundational is our engagement or interaction with the body of believers. How we connect with a body and learn how to interact with a group of people, as you said a few minutes ago, some of whom we may not choose, but it pushes and us wouldn't and wouldn't have met us. any other way, right? And so that interaction with the body of believers becomes an essential component of our faith. And then the third essential component is our interaction with the world in which we live. Wherever God has placed us, and even in places that we don't know about, but we have natural connections, how do we take our faith and not only move it into the world and engage the world, but then how does that affect our faith as we learn from our culture as well? So these three components, one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, interaction with the community of believers, and engagement with the world. We then look at one of the very important pieces of literature that speaks toward the six streams of the Christian faith and how those might inform these various areas of our spiritual life. Yeah, so as Dee's explained, these three aspects of relationship with God, with the one-on-one, -on -one, with the body of believers in the world, we're doing these things all the time, right? They, they interplay, they inform each other. It's what it is to be a well-rounded Christian. And while there may be arguably many more than six streams of Christian thought and practice, Dee and I put this together that generally under each of those headers are two major groups or streams, as we call them, that Christianity has sort of flowed into. And so uh, we're going to be, oh, Delaney, pop back one. We don't want to give away the goods yet. Okay, there we go. So um, Dee is going to be walking us through, and, and your pastoral team, a uh, sermon series on this in the fall. So this is just a bit of a, a teaser. And there's a lot I could say here. But simply, if you look under the one-on-one -on -one relationship with God category, some traditions within the Christian tradition that focus on this would be the holiness tradition. That's the tradition that we find ourselves in, the Church of the Nazarene. That's where we were rooted in. Underneath that, contemplative tradition, which would maybe be more like a Quaker meeting, where the service is more silent and in a circle, and you wait to speak until God moves you. In the middle column here, the relationship with the body of believers, there are two major traditions that focus on this as their primary way of living out their faith. The charismatic tradition, think Assemblies of God or the Pentecostal church would be examples of this. The sacramental tradition, more the Catholic stream or the Episcopal stream. 
Then over in the relationship with the world, we have two major groups there as well. And, and not that these groups would say the other boxes aren't important, but it's sort of where they reside most comfortably. The evangelical tradition, namely the Baptists, would be the largest group that fits into this uh, category, and social action, where you might think of the United Church of Christ or the Salvation Army Church. Now, as San Diego First Church, we recognize our heritage that we come from the holiness movement, which is this desire that there would be a syncing up of right belief, right heart, and right action. And that there is a sense that God is specifically giving each of us a mission to do. And that we would be in tune and in step with the Spirit and respond with a yes. Now, that's not to say that those other traditions don't believe in that. But that's sort of our bread and butter. But Dee and I are really convinced that if we stayed only in the holiness box, we would be a little anemic. That we really need all six of these streams because all six of these things are very much Christian ways to be. And so Delaney, now you can go to the next slide here. There's a lot on there. I don't expect you to read it. It's probably a little too small, actually. But as we look at these with the holiness box actively responding to the call of God, the contemplative tapping into silence and prayer and solitude, the charismatic group emphasizing the priesthood of believers and the gift of the spirit, the way the spirit moves among us as a people, the sacramental tradition valuing the communal disciplines, the sacraments, the rituals that bind us together, just like we do in our families. We do this in church too. The evangelical tradition that is emphasizing spreading the gospel, making sure that unreached people know about Christ. These would be more seeker-friendly churches. And then social action, which is focused on service, care for the poor, solving uh, problems of peace and justice in the world. So we hope that at San Diego First Church, we are living among these six boxes in a balanced way. We know that we're not doing it perfectly, and that's why we need you to keep us accountable and help us. But you do that by being you, because each of you is a specific combo. I'm like a holy sacro social gal myself. So you can probably see your specific mix, which is how you're wired, but also how you were raised and the traditions that have formed you. And so we thought we would give you the report here by talking about each of these six boxes and one thing from this last year that we feel like really fits in that box well as a way to talk about, hopefully, the health and well-roundedness of our church. So I'm going to kick it off by talking about the holiness box here. Dee mentioned as we looked back that we were hoping to take scripture and apply it faithfully to complex social issues. That was our In the World and Not of It series last summer. And in that series, we covered things like um, responsibility to take care of the earth. And we talked about spiritual abuse. We talked about sexism and racism, alcohol. We dove into topics that we all kind of want to talk about, but we're a little nervous to talk about in a big group. <laughs> and we tried to say, how do we talk about these things faithfully? How do we lean on scripture and interpret it well and listen to how God is moving us? And so that would be the aim of all of our preaching, but certainly was a huge aim in this series, is that we would be linking the best of what we know and believe to be true, the best of how we are feeling moved in our hearts, and the best of what God is asking us to do and live out in our lives. So we hope that you see that in all of our sermons, but we're highlighting this one in particular uh, because it felt deeply 
holy <laughs> to us to walk through those things and to do that together. Other ways you might see the holiness tradition lived out here at church is through our small groups. We have thriving groups, multiple groups that meet in the morning, at night, men's and women's, Bible studies, book studies. We were delighted to add three more of those to our list this year. If you're interested in that and getting together with a small group of people to talk about the more intimate journey of faith that's online, you can certainly contact the office. But we were a real believer and getting together in smaller units like that. Also, in youth group or in college group, there's significant mentorship that takes place. We believe that you need to be in conversation with people a little bit farther down the road than you. And so those would be elements of the holiness aspect of our church life. I want to reiterate what Melissa said a few moments ago, and that is that nobody's in exclusively one box. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to, as soon as you attach a label, to assume that somebody is, or some group is one dimensional. Yeah. That's not what we're saying at, at all. But what we are saying is that there is a great danger when we don't give attention to the breadth of the Christian experience that we run the risk of having so many blind spots in some areas that we become symptomatic of malnourished Christians or um, people who have focused in a particular area to the exclusion of something yeah, else. becoming judgmental, right? Yeah. We believe so deeply in this that at our annual calendaring meeting, mm -hmm. which uh, typically takes place the second half of May, where we talk through the church calendar for a full 18 months, that when we get all of the posted pages up on the wall with all of the calendar dates for the next 18 months, we then go through and ask the question, so where do we see the holiness emphasis throughout this? Where do we see some things as a church that take us into contemplation? Where do we see ourselves in an evangelical way focusing on scripture and, and uh, sharing our faith around the globe or social action or the sacraments? What kind of liturgy finds its way into the rhythm of our calendar? It's important to us that you can look at our calendar mm -hmm. and actually see these things evidenced so that our health reflects our intention mm -hmm. of where we're headed. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the contemplative side, there are many things that might come to mind in the life of our church. We have a number in our church that have pursued um, education in the area of spiritual direction, spiritual directors. We help try and help individuals who need that kind of spiritual guidance or just simply counseling for some things that they're facing to help fund some of those things if they're unable to do so. We have a number of things within the life of our church during this Lenten season, the Good Friday service, the Sunrise service, um, the Ash Wednesday service, the Dreams class, all of those lend themselves to this portion of healthy church life. But I will just highlight one and talk about it a little bit more, and that's during the entire Lenten season. We had an emphasis on a season of prayer. And so throughout the span of Lent, midweek on Wednesday nights, we had various people that walked us through different ways in which we can engage that discipline that match who we are, but also might stretch us into ways we haven't considered before. Wonderful turnout with some excellent teachers yeah. who walked us in this pathway of considering our one-on-one -on -one relationship with God through a contemplative lens. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, I'm supposed to keep going. I'll switch. I'll switch. Thank you very Nothing much. Oh, I don't know. No, that's I don't great. Know how to switch your notes. That's great. Okay. The next one is the charismatic tradition, and one of the characteristics of the charismatic tradition is this belief that we are all ministers. We've been all gifted, all with certain talents, ways by which we engage life in the world, and that we bring something very unique to the body of believers. To that end, we need to discover what those things are and then contribute to the body and life of the community. So all of you are participants, and we encourage you to volunteer in ways that you haven't considered yet, but consider how God might lead you into volunteering in the church in those areas of giftedness. It also causes us to recognize that not only do each one of us have our own giftedness, but just as we interviewed Chris and he talked about the unique characteristics of his church, we have churches that are uniquely gifted in our area. People who reach a population that we may not reach, or um, communicate the gospel in ways that we may not communicate, reach a demographic that we wouldn't reach. And so one of the ways in which we live out this aspect of a balanced, healthy Christian life is to use our facilities in our community in wonderful ways, in great partnerships. People who will come in, like my girlfriend's closet, and use this place as a clothing organization setting. Um, Young Life and their work with Capernaum and that population um, come and meet in the youth room on a regular basis. We open up our church to some of the other churches in the area that are looking for ways by which to reach a population that we may not reach into. And so Awaken on Thursday nights has a wonderful young adult outreach that takes place on our grounds. And is really, their bent is more in this charismatic stream. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we land in a place where we say, we don't have a corner on how spiritual life works. We don't want to be intimidated or defensive about partnerships with others. We want to find ways to identify how God is at work. Join hands and recognize in this arena how we can actually offer who we are to this mix. So that's our hope of how we express this aspect of the Christian journey. So moving on to the sacramental aspect, when we thought about this box, we thought what we're doing right now, meeting in this unified way, really fit best in this box. For one, that as we've spent this month together, we very intentionally did that through the Lenten season. And Lent is this season of the church year, this liturgical rhythm that we live in that's focused more on lament, that's focused more on confession. Not things that we do privately, but things that we do corporately, together. Practices of the capital C, church. And through this unified, these, these unified gatherings, we hope that you have seen pieces that are very intentional in our programming that are meant to bring this body together and unify us. So we've participated in the sacrament of baptism earlier in the month. Today, we're going to take the sacrament of the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper, together. You've seen a meshing of, uh, in some ways between our classic service liturgy and our new celebration service liturgy. That is the flow of the service and bringing the best of both of those together. That what has happened through the art that's here and through the songs is that we have been bound together by our common worship. 
And what we've been doing through this month is saying we aren't a classic service congregation, a new, service, new celebration service congregation, but we're San Diego First Church. And when we come together, we hope that you see the marks of all of us in here. So that's a way in which very recently we've participated in this sacramental stream. And then we're going to jump to the next column, to the evangelical group. And one thing that we are so excited about is that there is just this energy that we are not managing. It is like beyond <laughs> us. You are fired up about healing waters. We're so excited. This is a partnership that our church has had thriving for a long time, I, before we were here on staff. Yeah. But even just in this last year, you've helped to fund two new water filtration systems uh, outside of the United States. And what is so exciting about that is while it is certainly meeting a very tangible need of clean water access, these are housed in churches and in faith communities, so it draws people to water, but to the living water, where people are able to receive water and the gospel. And this is a way in which you have been deeply evangelical, way beyond our neighborhood. And we're so excited that we have a Healing Waters representative here today. Jesse, are you in here with us right now? Oh, yeah. Hi, Jesse, welcome. So welcome, Jesse, from Healing Waters with us today. And one thing that I'm excited to announce is that we're going to be taking a vision trip to go down and visit one of the installations that's taken place this last year. It is in Guatemala, outside of Antigua. And so if you're interested in learning more about that trip that's going to take place in September, Jesse and crew will be meeting over in Bose. There's lunch after church today. Take your lunch, go over, get to know Jesse, get to learn about the trip opportunity that's coming up in September. We're really, really excited about this. Um, other ways you would see our evangelical stream in our community is the ways in which we conduct children's and youth ministry. That is just such fundamental ways of teaching our young people about Christ and bringing in members of our community that may not find us through the Sunday morning avenue. Also, MOPS is highly evangelical. Um, and while we may not be preaching the gospel specifically out of the Bible every time that it gathers, the whole point is to be an entry point for moms of young kids so that they would connect with other women of faith, both their age and older. And it has been such an incredible way that women have supported each other and also learned about the life of faith and who God is. Yeah. Um, Melissa mentioned the partnership connection with Healing Waters. Uh, we're going to talk about finances in just a moment, but I am amazed that uh, over the course of our journey, um, six water filtration systems through Healing Waters, another through another organization. Those systems cost somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars each. So this is a major, it's not a small thing. Yeah, yeah, a major investment yeah. from our church to participate in this way, and grateful that you have captured that vision. Mm -hmm. um, it seems that that is a nice way to blend into what is the social action yeah, tradition and talk about uh, one of the values we have and that is that the work of the gospel in our lives calls us to care for others to call out injustice and to participate in bringing about justice we have tried to participate in a variety of ways uh, the migrant relief efforts that uh, have been part of the joy of being where we are called on by our denomination to participate and um, matching our desire to find some way to link in, uh, joining with Nazarene Compassionate Ministries in Mexico uh, with the Roving Medical Clinic and trying to provide supplies for them, working with the Mexico Nazarene District and the connections that they already had, 
uh, contributing in cash over $5,000 towards supplies that are needed, connecting with orphanages um, in a variety of ways, and still making trips down there to take supplies Absolutely. that keep coming in from you that we have backstage right Absolutely. here, yeah. ready to make the trip. So. Um, we have been attempting to do a number of things to raise that awareness, border tours, so you become familiar with some of the issues in here. The multifaceted perspectives in yeah. a very complicated issue. Yeah. But we can't ignore these things if we're going to be faithful to our calling. It's our community. Right? We have to learn yeah. them and yeah. struggle with them and grow with them. So that takes us to then, that's the past. Where do we think God is taking us into the future. Well, some of that has to do with our finances. Yeah, absolutely. Can we do the things we're called to do? Well, God's resources are unlimited. Absolutely. What God has entrusted to us is limited. <laughs> and so we have to make good use of those resources. Yeah, I'd love to kick off this part where we talk a bit about our finances. Um, you'll see here, and I'll give you a minute to just kind of acclimate to it. Um, the way that we've chosen to provide information to you is to present it in sort of chunks that you can work with. Um, and so the first one here is to look at your leadership. The people who are responsible for stewarding that money, how are they contributing? And so you'll see that your board is made up of 12 people and their household giving is right around $137,000. So these are people that are not only uh, invested in how we spend the money, but invested in providing that money as well. Yeah. And then you'll see that your staff here, your pastoral and your worship leadership staff is four full-time workers and four part-time workers. You can see the salary there at two, uh, 293 uh, for these eight workers uh, collectively, and that their household giving to the church is at 57000 So there's an investment from your staff as well. We believe in this place. We're not just employees, we're members, and we love being a part of this church. And then the congregation, there are 158 different giving units. So a giving unit might be a couple or people who give together or a family or an individual. So 158 giving units who give regularly to the work of this church. And the average giving for each of those units is around $500 a month. I'm going to go through quickly a, a lens, two different lenses through which to look at how we spend the resources that are here. Very simply, we just want to be transparent. You can ask questions any time of the year about any of this and exploring of it. We just want to be transparent. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just say with the giving that comes in, 30% of it in, is invested in the cost of facilities, maintenance, and utilities. 17% invested in ministries outside our community, such as missions. 17% is invested in our children, youth, and young adults. 12% invested in administrative costs, 10% invested in our worship services, 9% going toward ministry to our adults, and 5% invested in local compassion, compassionate ministry efforts. We can take a different lens and simply say, if this year you were to give $1,000, how would that $1,000 be broken down? Well, 220 of it, 22% of it, goes to missions, ministry, and compassionate needs that are beyond our walls given away in other locations, used in other purposes. 780 goes to ministry within our community, and that 780 can be broken down in just three categories. 300 helps pay for our facilities, decreasing the debt, taking care of it, renovation, those kinds of things. 410 goes towards supporting our staff, um, their livelihood, their costs, and all the benefits that, and um, taxes that go with that. $70 supporting discipleship and programming. 
So that's just a quick overview of where your money is spent and how it's spent. Any details you want to know, you can ask anytime yes. throughout the year. But where does this then take us from this point forward? What would we like to see happening? Well, we are coming to the end of our five-year strategic plan. The last six months of this year are the last six months of this past five-year strategic plan. So we are wanting and are in the midst with your church board of writing out a new strategy for the coming five years, where we think we will be in five years and how we get there. So when you elect board members, one of the key roles that they serve is in helping us strategize for the coming five years. We also want to continue our plan of reducing facilities debt while keeping our facilities in good shape. Good stewards for those who follow us and for those of you who will be around here for another 30 years so that it's still functional and in good shape. And finally, we have to always ensure transitions go well. And as we announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, Shelly James, who has been just a foundational piece of our staff for so many years, is retiring. And I solicit your prayers <laughs> that God will guide us as to how to fill those enormous shoes, yeah. not in an identical fashion, but in a unique way that carries us into the future. That's great. And then our last three goals as we look ahead to the next year, as you heard from Chris today, we are excited about exploring this new partnership and joining with our sister church just down the road at Living Water. We're really, really excited about living into that. Also, I mentioned earlier, we got some of this one done. We did incorporate our new database and some of the web platforms, but we want to expand that, use it better, make it available to you in ways that are helpful to you. Uh, so that you can have a directory and find each other and get information quicker. We desperately need some new signage. It's a little tricky to find your way around here if you don't know where you're going, mm. uh, particularly because the parking and our proximity to the university makes it a little confusing, and the signs are outdated. So it's time to update those and to get some brochures that also look a bit fresher and explain a little bit better who we are. And then the last, to facilitate international mission and vision trips. We've already mentioned that the Healing Waters trip is taking place in Guatemala in the fall. But also right now we're already planning for two trips as well that will be taking place in 2020 to international locations with partners. So that's what we're, so just six of the things that we're excited about for the coming year. I'd like to end our report the way we began, and that's with the Revelation passage. I've considered if we had a letter that we received that said, and here's what we see in you. These are the things that we would talk about. Hmm. We see these values in you. We see this characteristic in you. We see this sacrifice in you. But I also know that in all of the letters, they are often followed by, but here's something I have against you. I'm not sure <laughs> what that would be, but here's what I have in my reflection thought. That we have some blind spots. And the issue with blind spots is we don't yet know what they are. Hmm. When we are called to communion, we are called to something that our Lord instituted, something that, that connects us to church through the history, mm -hmm. history and ages, something that connects us to the church globally right now. I also believe it connects us to this place of humility where we come to the table unworthy and say, Oh, Lord, what are our blind spots? Would you consider bringing voices to us that point out things that we're not even noticing yet and help our defenses to stay low enough that we can actually hear it? 
instead of having it rise up and defend ourselves in some way, but instead, Lord, would it be possible that every time we come to the table, we're reminded of how much we have yet to learn and grow? Bring us new voices, bring us new people, bring us new participants to the body of Christ that can say, have you ever considered this? Because I don't see it among you. Help us to be good listeners. So the invitation to the table this morning is an invitation to that place of humility, to share in the body of Christ, to recognize our need to be healthy and to have new voices speak into our journey. I'm going to ask Matt and Melissa to come down to the altars for our servers to come and receive the elements. I would like to communicate to you that we practice open communion here. Anyone who would like to participate, whether you're a guest or been here for the last 15 years, you are welcome to participate in this. In this setting, we're going to have communion in a way that we don't typically do around here. It's called intinction. It simply means taking a piece of bread, dipping it into the cup, and then taking it right while you are served. You can come to any of the servers that are up here. If for some reason you're uncomfortable because you've never done it this way and would like to be served a different fashion, Matt and Melissa will be in the far corners. and You can certainly be served there as well. This is an invitation to embrace God's agenda in our life. We collectively try and live that out, but it's also dependent on our individual journey. In just a moment, you can come up any aisle when you're ready, partake from any one of the servers, receive the blessing of both the bread and the juice and their words to you. Once you've taken, you can return to your seats. We would love to have a closing song and a benediction. Let me offer a prayer. Father, these elements, will you sanctify them? Will you make them for us, your body and your blood, so that as we take it in, we, Lord, sense that we are taking you into us, that you take up residence within, make us your dwelling place, live within us, purify us, cleanse us, lower our defenses, Help us to hear your message, wherever it comes from. Oh Lord, this is our prayer. Amen. The Lord, when he gathered with his disciples, took the bread, broke it, gave it to each one of them, and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup. He gave it to each one of them and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. Take in remembrance of our Lord. When you are ready to come, please come forward.
our Heavenly Father, our prayer is that you will stretch us to do even more with the resources with which you have entrusted to us. May we be trustworthy in all we do. Stretch us individually and collectively. Help us, Lord, in these weeks and months and years to come to reflect you in all we do and everything to pass through the lens of lifting you up so that you might be honored and glorified. Teach us how to do that well. Be with us, Lord, we pray. Amen.
I sat here realizing that the intensity of trying to communicate all of this information, I simply want you to know, on behalf of your entire pastoral staff, how much we love being here. What an incredible body of believers of which to be a, a part. And to say thank you for that privilege. We pray we lead well. We pray we follow well. And so thank you for that privilege. We also want to say that we long for your participation. If you'd like to pray about that, would like to know how um, God is leading in your life, and this morning would like to pray with somebody off to the left is a wonderful area to pray. Some people to pray with you or seek out one of your pastoral staff and let us know. We would be thrilled to pray with you. We also want to make sure you remember free lunch. It's there along with a shower just outside these doors and it's ready to go. So make your way out there quickly. And if you have a ballot to cast on your way out, the ushers have baskets to receive those ballots. May God bless you. May God continue to pour through you. And may our lives individually and collectively reflect the balance of health that God calls us to in all areas of our life. Go in God's peace and God's love. Have a blessed week.